Welcome to the latest FT Advisor in Focus podcast with me, Simni Kiriakou, Senior Editor of FT Advisor. No doubt we've all seen the adverts online. People your age near you are benefiting from this insurance trick. I don't know if that's actually the voice that they use, but I'm going to use it for the purposes of this podcast. Another one, you could save yourself hundreds of pounds with this insurance, or even revealed the benefits your insurer does not want you to know about. All these bait and hook type adverts have always been a thing, but technology has enabled the proliferation of these and extended their reach. And in the world of insurance, this is posing particular sets of problems. Not only could people risk getting the wrong insurance for their needs, but their data may not even be treated securely, and ultimately the industry gets a bad rap. Now, there are efforts to tackle this and crack down on fraudulent or misleading advertising, um, both on social media and on TV. And it wasn't too long ago, um, FT Advisor wrote about a TV ad that had appeared in the middle of early morning TV for toddlers, talking about what would happen to the children if mummy died. And the ASA upheld the inevitable complaints about that. But more needs to be done. And joining me to talk about the problems and potential solutions are Emma Thompson, Head of Protection and GI Propositions at Sesame Bankroll Group and Chairperson of the Women in Protection Network, and Alan Desmere, Managing Director and Founder of Contact State. Welcome to you both. Good morning. Morning. Hello, hello. So, um, Alan, I'll start with you, please. What What do you think has caused uh, the, the proliferation over the past two years? Why has sort of misleading lead gen become such a problem? Well, I, I think I probably challenged the question. I'm actually not sure it's got worse. I just think we probably know about it now. Um, and I think actually in terms of, you know, um, a lot of, a lot of misleading advertising, a lot of data reselling has gone on. Just people haven't talked about it or haven't been able to articulate, you know, on, for example, Trustpilot, why am I getting 30 calls or why, am, you know, I don't like this advert. I think the ASA as a regulator has become more muscular. I think they're actually doing a good job. I think they are pointing out now uh, with much more frequency that, that there are standards and those standards should be upheld. But I think, you know, we've talked about this before, it's actually um, giving the industry uh, a lot more power now to say, well, I don't agree with that, and we should do something about that. And you know, this is what this is what good lead gen should look like. So, I, you know, I, I don't want anyone listening to this thinking, oh, it's you know, it's getting dramatically worse. Because actually, actually, I think it's got actually a lot better in the last couple of years in terms of you know fraudulent brand bidding. You know, that there's, that, that's now a minority problem rather right. than than. But but clearly, there's still more we can do, and I, and and I think we should be able to all agree on what a higher level of financial advertising should look like. Um, perhaps then COVID has caused it to come out of the woodwork a bit more, because as you say, perhaps it wasn't quite so noticeable before. But certainly, Emma, you know, over, over the course of the pandemic, we we saw quite a lot of quite um, beer-mongery uh, sort of adverts cropping up on social media. Uh, and that seemed to be quite um, quite problematic, didn't it? Yes, I mean, you know, the pandemic has certainly helped consumers to to think perhaps more about their own financial resilience and what happens if they were to get ill. And obviously, the um, you know the, the government schemes have obviously helped consumers in in a way that they've never done before. You know, the, the furlough scheme is arguably the biggest income protection scheme going. You know, and lots of people have been able to benefit from that and actually think about well, what what if that wasn't in place? How would I be able to carry on paying my bills? So that is a positive, but you're absolutely right. You know, you can't then scare people um, into into making choices 
just because we're going through a pandemic. And there's a right way of trying to appeal to consumers and there's certainly a wrong way of doing it too. Yeah, I've, I've seen particular, maybe because I am a woman and social media and um, sort of Facebook algorithms are very clever or meta algorithms are very clever. The targeting uh, means mothers in your area are benefiting from this insurance trick. Um, I'm not sure I like the word trick. Uh, and other people have highlighted these things. I know sort of people like Vicky Church or AIG have been sort of collating these and um, complaining. But uh, it, it seems that a lot of a lot of women have been targeted, particularly recently in terms of the advertising and lead generation. Um, do you think that that's posing a problem, Emma? I mean, is it a good thing that mothers are being reminded to take out income protection, or or is it again a little bit preying on the vulnerable? I think a bit of both, to be perfectly honest. I mean, we absolutely do need to help more female consumers access cover. Um, they are less likely to take out protection. Um, in recent years, the, the gap between men and women taking out insurance has, has reduced, which is great. So we are moving in the right direction. Um, and lots of consumers, both men and women, massively undervalue the person that's the primary carer within the home, whether they are working full time, part time or whether they're, they're a stay at home parent. Um, legal and general used to undertake a number of studies on this and it all used to come out as about their, their value within the home was worth about £30,000 a year, which is about twice as much as what consumers would estimate themselves. So we absolutely need to be doing more to help that group of society to make sure that there's adequate protection in place, because there's no guarantee that even if they're not earning and their partner can cover the bills, there's no guarantee that person who is paying the bills will want to carry on with their full time job. Um, if their partner has sadly passed away or become incapacitated, especially if they've got small children, they might have to change their career path. They might have to go part time. So they might not be able to do that three hour commute, lots of travel in the week, et cetera, et cetera. So we do need to make sure that that group has insurance. But you're absolutely right, Simone. You know, we can't scare them. In, and I'm absolutely not a fan of that trick word either. I just think that's trying to trick people into doing something. And that's not the right way because ultimately those people could end up having a very bad experience when they get through to these companies that are advertising in that way and walk away completely and never want to try and get insurance again because they just think we're trying to hoodwink them. And that's that's bad for the overall industry. And most importantly, bad for consumers who won't have this protection in place should something happen. Now, Alan, you, you've been quite um, prominent in sort of making sure that every time these crop up, you, you sort of complain about them, you, you highlight them, you make um, everyone involved, Google or Facebook, aware that this is a, a potentially misleading um, advert or a misleading service that's being, um, that's being touted. How successful do you think contact state has been in this, in this regard? Well, I, don't, I think our role in this is, is actually making people aware that they can complain, right? Like it's very, very easy to, to, to email the FCA financial promotions um, sort of scam email and say, look, I think this is wrong. So I think, you know, our, you know, the, the business that I run is a certification platform. I believe wholeheartedly that um, if you buy a lead, you should know exactly where it's came from and exactly what the advert looked to generate that consumer. I think that's just everyone's remit. I think you can stop bad lead gen, you can stop bad financial advertising if you ask awkward questions. I'm one of those annoying people. I think that <laughs> I believe I believe actually in governance, and I believe in um, having strong civil 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 society that has regulators that actually act. And I think it's all our duty 
that if we see an advert we don't like to report it to the ASA or to report it to the FCA. Yeah. That's how you that's how you change it. And I think I think all the articles that you've written, Simone, and all the articles that the FT advisor have been have, have, have done on this this sector protection in the last two years have made a massive impact because the lead generation knows now if I'm going to run an advert, I might end up on the front page of FD Advisor and at the ASA. And that that threat wasn't there two years ago. And so I think we've all done a great job, actually, of highlighting there are consequences for running misleading advertising. So do you think that there's a, a situation here where I'm just going to quote Jurassic Park because I can. Um, it's my podcast. Um, <laughs> You know, we've used big data, companies have used big data, they've used artificial intelligence to um, to sort of create these kind of ads and target them and personalise them in a way that obviously insurance has personalised and in a way that could be a good thing, but just because they could perhaps doesn't mean that they should. Um, is that a danger when we become so keen on using data and personalization in this way that we could end up misleading the customer even without wanting to mislead them just just misleading them thinking oh well you're a, a woman age 35 you've got a child and you live in this area um i've got an insurance product i think this is going to be just right for you and i know who to put you in touch with i mean at the end of the day this woman who's 35 could have you know family members with like serious a history of cancer or, or something. I mean, Emma, I can see you, you nodding there. Is that um, is that a concern for for you guys? I mean, I guess I guess the use of big data can help to try and get consumers to understand that that there are there are solutions for them. That insurance can be there to support them. But you're absolutely right, Simony. There's there's more to protection than just where you live, how old you are, and, and what sex you are. Because, as you said, you know, that there's family history to take into consideration. There's your occupation to take into consideration. There's your own health to take into consideration. You know, as somebody that is currently uninsurable because I had cancer in 2019, you know, if I got one of those adverts, I'd be like, well, brilliant. I can go and get insurance and then find that I can't get insurance. So we, we just need to be really wary. We absolutely can utilize big data to try and help. But it's for me, it's not the, it's not the, the only solution, not at all, because there's just too many, too many factors to take into consideration. So should the use of big data be regulated, Anna? So I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to 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 argue for the undefensible here, and I'm going to make the case actually for targeted advertising. I think targeted advertising, on the whole, is a good thing. I think it's good both for the consumer and the advertiser, and the actually the product they're trying to buy. I think you know I I want adverts that are relevant to me. Um, I don't want creepy. I don't want creepy, insidious sort of suggestive marketing. And I want that financial advertising to be to be clear. And I want to be. I want to understand who's responsible for it, right? And I want. And if I don't like it, I want to know where to complain. But actually, I think what we're seeing is it's very interesting. What well, it's interesting to me, uh, it, it's very interesting right now. Lead, what's happening in Legion is lots of the smaller sites, perhaps click sort of clickbaity sites, are disappearing in favor of much larger brand-led sites. Mm-hmm. And those brand-led sites are thematic. They are thematic around um, ages and, and personalities and, t- and types of, of, of pro- approaches. But I think if you, if I'm a consumer and I don't, I don't like what I see, I think the real power then is to be able to know where to report that um, or to be able to say, look, this person's called me 300 times and I'm just trying to say no. Well, actually, that's a job for Ofcom. And I've talked about having, how I think Ofcom are going to become more involved in telephone-based sales over the next 12 months. Um, but I think in general, and, and I sort of often make this point, 
like lead gen is a really powerful tool and many businesses and many people have been protected because of lead gen adverts they've, they've been targeted and then they've been uh, they've been sold a great product that's protected them so i don't want to throw that all out i just want a clearer understanding from all of us about what we think the standards are and then if someone breached those standards let's have consequences let's have consequences for firms that buy leads knowingly that they know as resold data that's that's consequences for those intermediaries um i think we can build a better industry with that yeah of course because you know if someone does get hooked by one of these um by, by one of these ads and then it goes through to an actual proper regulated financial advisor who does a really great financial plan looks at them holistically and looks at everything and gets them a brilliant bit of tailored insurance then is there an argument there that the end justifies the means i don't think so and, and, and sorry to uh, i don't think i don't think i think misleading advertising is always um a zero-sum game so it always leads to a, the, the wrong place because it gets cheaper or you resell it or whatever so i, I think actually uh, we should be much more strict about who we let to advertise right like you should be directly authorized or at least be under the umbrella of a regulated body i should be able to trace who the director is and know exactly where they're you know that they're paying income tax in the UK. They shouldn't be sort of reselling data. I sh if I'm an insurer, I shouldn't be accepting an on-risk policy unless I know this consumer consented to be advertised to via that process. But these are the things I think we can get right easily. Emma, what were you going to say? Yeah, I was just going to say. I think I think that the role of the advisor is absolutely key. I mean, you know, we do absolutely need to have. Um, proper genuine quality leads absolutely and if big data can obviously help to try and target leads far better then absolutely that's going to be better for consumers but then that does come down to that journey ending up with somebody that knows what they're talking about so that if for some reason as we were talking about earlier they have seen a lead they're they're interested in buying insurance but actually for whatever reason their circumstances it's going to be more tricky for them to do so they're then speaking to a professional they're speaking to an advisor that's able to actually help them with their circumstances and not just completely turn them away it may be that we can't offer you cover right at the moment but come back to us in six months time and actually but what what, what about your partner do they need any insurance um you know and do an overall proper fact find rather than just get through to one of these firms who just goes big fat no walk away poor experience customer isn't happy and then that that does long-term damage because we know what they'll do they'll then talk to their family and friends and it'll be old big bag insurers again and we do unfortunately all get lumped in whether it's car insurance home insurance you know insurers it's all big one big family as far as consumers are concerned so we need to do as much as we possibly can to do the right thing, not only for our own reputations, but most importantly, we need to do the right thing for consumers. Yeah, and I guess that also leads back to what Alan has been saying, who owns the, the, the client, who owns the client data? You know, you said that the, the client, the individual, the person owns their data, but if they go through to an IFA um, and become a client of the advisor, who else has their data? Does that lead generator still have the data somewhere? And is there a permission? Has the client, by clicking through, subconsciously or unknowingly sort of waived their, their, their rights? Because I'm sure they have rights over this. Alan? Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, we've talked about this before. I, I see data ownership like walking into a pub and ordering a round of drinks. And when you've ordered a round of drinks, you get a receipt back. And that receipt tells you what you've bought. 
right? And so I want the way that I want data to evolve and the way that, the way that we're working is I want data to be treated exactly the same. When you apply on a website, I want you to get a receipt, a certificate in my language back that says you've applied here. This is what you've consented to. Here's the terms and conditions. And that receipt lives now with this piece of data. So that if anyone rings me and says, oh, you know, I hear you're in the market for life insurance. I'll say, well, how do you have my data? One of the big things that's going to evolve in the next 12 months is the ICO. And I think the ASA are going to absolutely specifically require lead gen sites to tell the consumer where they're sending their data. It's a great thing. And this, this is, this is, yeah. a, you know, this should, this should, you know, this is the thing that could really be the game changer in this sector. If I know that my details being sold to this firm and then someone else gives me a call, well, guess what? Your company is going straight to the ICO and the ICO have made multiple fines for for businesses that call consumer without data. So that's how I see it. And I think, I think, I think we can do more to empower the consumer by telling them, here's what you've applied for. So tech, yeah, sorry, Emma. So would tech then, you would just say technology can actually be used in a really positive way here to help combat the very issues that maybe technology and social media has kind of created it's also a salvation and cure as, as homer simpson said, would say it's both the cause of <laughs> and, and the solution to all of my problems well uh, what i was going to say was just um the, the the issue of people calling um you know i had somebody call me last year i used to do mystery shopping in my in my old role to find out what was going on and i had somebody call me last year to say oh i'm just just calling about your critical illness cover and i, I was like who are you um you know because i said I've, I've claimed i don't have any critical illness cover anymore because i've claimed on it um and it was literally somebody that i must have been mystery shopping about 10 years ago um you know so again i you know i made it really clear that they should not be calling me um but this is what this is what happened you know so it's we've got we've got to address this to make sure as as alan said that the right the right rules are being followed and that people aren't being misled and that people know exactly who is holding their data and that it's being used in the right way yeah that that's a very worrying and, and scary statistic and but also it shows that you don't keep changing your number all the time emma so uh, well no i don't <laughs> same number <laughs> i know it's not good it's not good alan I think I was I was going to say I think the, the the piece the technology piece here is real time oversight. I think uh, you know networks insurers expect intermediaries to keep a log of the calls that they're doing. They 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 do all sorts of challenging about that sales process, but we don't have the same attitude to legion. We just sort of think, oh, well, these leads come from somewhere. You know, I want real time oversight. I want to if you buy leads you should know exactly what's going on in that customer journey at that moment technology is the answer here um and i think this uh, this is what the industry can do to really really um clamp down on misleading data sales for example is to say if you're going to if you're going to buy leads we don't we want to know who from and, and, and what the journey looks like in real time because i think the trick and, and this trick can play out many a time sort of yeah, when someone's buying a lead, they get given this shiny compliant landing page, life insurance, you know, uh, come and click here or whatever it is. But in reality, lead generators, and I've been lead generators, so I know something about this. Lead generators use hundreds of different landing pages, hundreds of different adverts. And so unless you know exactly where the lead's coming from, you can never be properly sure of, of what's going on. And this really, this is, yeah, sorry, Emma, go on. I was just going to say, I think this is where, you know, experts like Alan are really making a, a real difference and making sure that advisors are, are far more mindful about the risks that they themselves could be creating by by buying leads from 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 dodgy firms, you know, and 
you mentioned AIG earlier as well. You know, they, they've had sort of their, their Keep Protection Tidy campaign, you know, getting encouraging advisors to flag up these adverts. So I think there is a greater awareness amongst people who are out there needing to generate leads. They, they need to buy leads in, um, but actually, you know, thinking far more carefully about who they're actually partnering with and what the repercussions could be if they if they make those wrong choices. So I think, there's, you know, there's some really great work that Alan and other people in the industry are actually doing. Yeah, and that's obviously a ringing endorsement for Contact State and and for others. But um, I'll just stick with you for a, for a bit, Emma. We've got um, the Financial Conduct Authority obviously making huge inroads um, in terms of vulnerability and inclusion and diversity. And it is holding firms more and more to account for how they treat consumers with vulnerabilities. And there is such um, a, a clear play here, an interplay between people who perhaps are more vulnerable, more susceptible to scams, more susceptible to fall for these things or fall for fear mongering online, who wouldn't know if they're being baited, who wouldn't even think to ask about where their data is coming from. So how can we as an industry um, work to make sure that vulnerable people are being treated fairly? I'll go to you, Emma, and then come to, to you, Anna. Yes, I mean, you know, the FCA have estimated that about 50% of adults have got vulnerable characteristics of some degree or other. Um, and we've absolutely got to be mindful. And this kind of links into what we were saying a minute ago. You know, advisors have got a responsibility, but it's not just about what they're doing. It's actually who else they're, they are bringing into that overall chain of supporting that customer. And if they are, if they are buying leads from somebody, a firm that has got no consideration for customer vulnerabilities at all, then that advisor is going to have real difficulties um, in actually helping to make sure that that customer is being looked after the best way. So for me, it's not just that advisors and insurers and all of us that work in financial services have to think about customer vulnerability. These these lead generators have absolutely got to be doing that and doing the right thing as well, because as you said, there's a, there's a real open, you know, there's a, there's a real um, risk of this being absolutely open to abuse and people who don't necessarily have you know very good knowledge of how to manage money and identify scams or you know and I'm, and I'm not just talking about the older age groups this could this could affect people yeah. of all ages all of us you know have probably good you know I'm just about to click on a link and you oh hold on a minute actually this isn't my delivery guy this is a scam you know and so it can happen of all ages I I've got a friend who was caught up with a scam one of the, that um, HMRC scams and handed over money, you know, somebody that is actually, you know, an intelligent person, but they just get caught up. Unfortunately, these scammers are just very, very good at what they do, which is what's really, really scary. And whilst we can't all absolutely tar all lead generators in the same, but not at all. There are some very good ones out there. But we do need to be careful. And that's where advisors have got a real responsibility as to where exactly they are getting their, their leads from and that's not just advisors that's obviously all intermediaries and indeed um, insurers that are obviously um, transacting direct with consumers too uh, everybody's got a real important part to play in this absolutely you definitely all have a role to play even even journalists you know uh, so uh what think what's the contact state view on um sort of whether this is, sort of becomes a regulatory imperative so i mean we we firmly we firmly believe it is. I think we are writing a paper right now, actually, on the equity release sector. We think that's a particularly, particular, a particular. There's a particular problem with the way that adverts are generating equity release, and the outcome and the, what's at stake for both the consumer and the consumer's family is is massive. And that that shouldn't be sold like it's a 
a sort of cheap thing. There should be higher standards when you know there are there are obvious things. So I, again, I you know I think this is this is actually around the industry uh, industry events coming up with what 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 we agree is is acceptable. I think there was I think the industry agreed that 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 benefit advert was unacceptable. The idea yeah. that you know. Uh, click here for this benefit the benefit turned yes. out to be the opportunity to actually buy the product i think we all agreed and that was removed so i think it's about a dialogue i think with the most you know the most prominent people in it saying here's the line um and um, I, I can't speak for individual i don't sell life insurance i can't speak for individual vulnerabilities but i think we can all we can all um we can all uh work out that if something someone's missold something that's going to have bad consequences we've done a piece of work around cancellation um and around we can accurately predict now that uh types of media leads to mu- much greater levels of cancellation if you only buy from certain firms if you only buy certain types of lead and particularly things like hotkeys if you buy hotkeys where consumers have been and hotkeys are, uh, are calls of sort of transferred in, in real time if you if a consumer has been harassed onto the phone and then harassed onto an advisor they're much more likely to cancel in three months. Yeah. And that's the thing that all advisors, all firms should know, right? Because it might look like an investment, to your point uh, uh, earlier, Emma, it, it might look like an investment now in leads and get a sale. But in three months' time, if that all falls off, your business yeah. is done. Yeah. And that person will never come back to insurance. And then no. what if the worst happens? Absolutely. And they're just, you know, just, I mean, we, we've all seen them, you know, you know, I, I think Alan, you mentioned earlier, you know, things like, you know, your insurer, you know, insurers don't want you to know this secret. I mean, there's no secret. I mean, that's absolutely just misleading people or, you know, buy now because prices are going to go up. I saw one of those recently. Well, are they, you know, it's just, it's just those methods just do not sit right. And again, you know, the, even those people that choose, not to not to engage you know they've li- read that go well that's just a scam and then then again it's then oh well the whole insurance industry they're just trying to scam me you know it just does it's all a massive disservice and it's just got to stop i wanted yeah. to make a point if i may um my business is now part of verisk uh, uh data analytics and underwriting um nasdaq listed business in the us and we had to go through a level of integration with the data security team and i failed the phishing email test that they send to everyone like I, I got fished by the data the various team and i then had to go and do training because uh they said well look you clicked on this link and it's it was us pretending which was highly annoying at the time but i, I make the point that that, that I'm, I'm fairly savvy when it comes to technology and, and i yes. you know i got fished by the, the yeah. various security team well that 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 goes to show that anybody even someone with a lot of knowledge in the sector can end up um, sort of on the wrong end of a of, of a phishing scam. So, yeah, it is definitely something that we all need to be aware of. And like we said, we don't know. We might not feel vulnerable now, but anything could happen in our lives that just kind of yeah. shakes us off balance, and suddenly we become a vulnerable person. And we we need someone to support and guide us, not to kind of use personal data against us. Absolutely. Um, but I, I'm aware that the time is now being used against us. So I am going to say I'm so sorry. This is all that we have time for. I could talk about this um, for forever, as you guys know, because I do keep coming back to this topic. It's it's a very important one. And it's something that I really am pleased to see that there is progress. And, Alan, you pointed out some very positive things that are happening. So it's, it's, it's really good that we also focus on achievable targets that we can do. Um, but Alan, thank you. Emma, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Until next time, take care. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corian provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com.